Father, in the name of Jesus, we just want to thank you for this wonderful day that you have made. The sun is shining, everywhere is bright. We are gathered here in your presence, for you are here in the midst of us in accordance with your word. Thank you because you are faithful. Thank you because you are always with your people. You said you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you for how you brought us through to this point in the service. We need you to take us through to the very end. So I present myself to you, Lord, and I pray that you speak your words through me in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Give your people, Heavenly Father, ears to listen. And may today be a day of wonderful blessings in their lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. We pray for those who are with us on Zoom. You also speak to them. And for those who are not able to join us, Lord, wherever they might be, minister to them in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for hearing. Thank you for answering. Receive all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. You know, before we, I uh, go into the message, I would like two or three people who were with us in the city center to just come forward. I know this is an impromptu sort of uh, testimony time. Uh, I would like them to come to the front and come and just tell us one or two things about their experiences yesterday. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Pastor Ike, do you want to have a go for us, please? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you're one of those who were with us and you want to join him after that, please raise up your hand. Praise yeah. the Lord. Okay. Hallelujah. Okay. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. We had a great time yesterday in God's presence as we were in the city center to share God's word. It's amazing to know that um, there's a whole lot of people who are waiting for us to be able to share the gospel with them. Actually, for us, we shared tracks that are in hundreds. Mm. And what is shocking about it is that as you get out there, you don't know how many people are waiting to take those tracks from you. Mm. And as you go out before you know the track is finished, you are coming back. I'm almost exhausted the whole track that we came with, a lot of them. Mm. And it's brilliant to also know that some other Christians are also coming, they are also coming to the city center. We met, met about two or three different groups who are coming to share the gospel. Mm. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The, even the surprising thing that we have the Muslims who are there. Mm. What a big start. Mm. And then it shows that uh, the battle for souls is a hustle. It's either we rise up now or we just uh, have to regret that at the end of the time. Mm. This is one of the most primary things that uh, God has called us to do. And it will be great for us to make our time. No matter what we are doing, this is one of the things as a child of God that will actually encourage you as you come. In fact, I'm looking forward to the next one. Because once you come the first one, you will see the hunger comes inside you. Mm. I pray that the young ones will also join us next time. Because it's something that you will love. There's a lot of young people there who are actually, most of the people who took track from me are young people. So young people, I'm encouraging you to join us next uh, time. We're going to, that's going to be in two weeks time. God will bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Bishop called me to make the, uh, this uh, uh, you know, testimony. I'll call Pastor Tio to come and take over from <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> 
That was how we ended it. Mm. He asked me for other tracks, and then I gave him other tracks that I had. He said, I'm going to go away and look at these things and see whether what you are saying is how it is in there. Mm. And we, I was so grateful for that. I met another young lady who told me, I don't want to hear, you know, because I'm, I'm gay and lesbian. Woo! I said, that's the one that really interests me. And then we got talking again, and she didn't want to hear, but at the end, he said, why would if there is a God? He said, I don't even believe there is a God to start with. And secondly, I'm gay. So you're talking to the wrong person. But at the end, she was asking for more tracks. Amen. That she was going to go back home and study this and come back. He said, is it okay to call this number? But I have more questions to ask. I said, yeah, there's a number on the track. Call us. We're there for you. Fantastic encounters. Just, this is just a summary of some of the encounters. I want to say quickly because of time. And uh, it was wonderful. It was so challenging, so encouraging, you know. And at the end, there is so much to thank God for. So much, just so much to thank God for. They were able to go out there, interact with other believers who also witnessed. Some came all the way from excess to come and witness in our city. You know, it's fantastic. You know, they, some came from far away, and they had um, a guy met that said, "Oh, I used to sell drugs along the streets of Grand Bay." You know, he said, I sold drugs here and for a living. He says, but one day God got a hold of me and I'm here sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. You know, and this is how God transforms people. And I encourage you, you never know who God can use and who, what God can use you to transform their lives. So never stop sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He does not just a man's wealth, even the women too. <laughs> 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 yeah, myself and Sister Jacqueline went, you know, went, went around to giving tracts and um, it was amazing how hungry I'll say people really were to know the word. There was one to show you how serious it was. We were giving our tracks to someone, well, giving it to someone, and someone else took it. Can you see how it was? Someone else took it. And the one we were trying to give came back running after us, please, can I have one? It was that bad. We didn't even say anything. This is just to show you how the spirit was just moving. He came back and said, please, I, I need one. I said, please read it. And the tracks, you know, you know, another thing is the tracks, how they attract people. The one we had was about the football, funny enough. They were showing the football and victory. I mm. know today is the day, isn't it? Yes. yes. So every, the people were eager when they saw that. Oh, what, what's this about, you know? I said, please read. You understand? And that's what attracted them to me. And we, 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 we pray that God will indeed touch these people. Amen. We had one to where we had a conversation with one. He was saying that, um, you know, yeah, God, you're okay. That how can we, why can't we ask God who, who created him? I said, the only way you can know that is by first of all developing that relationship with God so that you can speak to him to find out. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was looking, yeah, yeah well, that, that's true, he said. I said, yeah, that's the only way. The only way for you to know who created him is for, you need to develop that relationship with him. And I think that one left him to think, you know, left him to think about it. Mm. All right, praise God. But it was a wonderful time we had. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. David, you want to share something from your from your perspective? 
just reflects because you are one of the youth who was out there with us yesterday. Uh. Well, personally, at the start of it, I wasn't feeling the most confident about it because I just was scared of people rejecting me or telling me to go away. And then when I started this, I realized it wasn't as bad as I thought. Mm. They, didn't, they didn't want it, they politely said no. And it was fine, but for the people who didn't want it, I was very happy that they took it. I believe that my message would be right anytime I give them my gender perspective on the whole thing. I was pretty happy about it and I was happy I was able to give some tracks out even to begin with. Because I was not feeling the most confident at the very start. Mm. I was even telling my mom that I was, I'm not really sure, 100% sure about it. So then, <laughs> yeah, so I was pretty grateful to God that He was able to give me the confidence and strength to do all this. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give a clap hand for Jesus. And uh, it's amazing, isn't it? Um, God is good. You know, no matter how long you have been involved in evangelism, there's always, I mean, people who are honest will tell you there's always trepidation and fear. You, you wonder what you are going to or what your experience is going to be. You wonder how you're going to speak to individuals. Because you never know. But, you know, God again and again shows that he is faithful. And I I always remember what Jesus said, isn't it? That don't bother about what you're going to say. You know, just go out there by faith. And the Lord will enable you to speak words that you probably had not even thought about. The Lord is good. Amen? Amen. I want to thank all of those who were not able to turn up, but who were praying for us also. Okay, and um, I know that some of us, were, we were busy, so we're not able to be there. So we're not trying to say that, oh, these ones were better than, than others. No, we're not better than anybody. But we just want to hopefully stir up something inside us. Because as far as I'm concerned, and I know you think the same way too, this is the fundamental you know, task that God has given us. The primary task that we have as children of God, is to preach the gospel. It doesn't matter whether you are a bishop or archbishop or archpope. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We all have the same responsibility. Amen? Yes. Yes, yesterday, uh, Brother Stevie couldn't come on time. But when he came, we were walking you know, back and mm. uh, we, we needed you know, more, more cars to come. Yes. But he told me that you no. Know, even though I come now, I want to go and give you know some tracks now. Yes. You know, so I was very encouraged you know, with that. Peter said, okay, no, since no day is that need, let me just go back. He wanted to really take it. Amen. It was encouraging. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, this morning I was thinking, we went out yesterday. We have not seen anyone coming today into the church, right? Have you seen a visitor today? But I can assure you, God is in charge of everything. You know, as we sow the seeds, as we go out in obedience, God knows. And the people, by the, Lord, by the grace of the Lord, will turn up hungry for his word. Praise the Lord. Which is why today I want to talk about <laughs> the harvester and the fisher. And you will understand what I'm talking about in a few moments. Uh, that, that, that is the title of this short message. Okay, is the harvester and the fisher 
And uh, well, I'll take a reading from Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 to 38. Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 to 38, amongst other, you know, um, passages. And the Bible says that, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Isn't it amazing? Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The harvest is the Lord's, isn't it? And he is the one who is eager to send out laborers into his harvest. Now remember last week, we did say that, you know, we have a new title, isn't it? And that you could add missionary to your name. Now that is for real. So whatever you are, you can add missionary to your name. And if you have a previous title, just add it, okay? So maybe you are missionary pope, whatever, missionary pope, apostle, etc., etc. Amen? But the reality is this, that, and I'll be talking about, you know, the fisher in a few moments from now. Actually, the harvester, he reaps crops while the fisher, the fisher catches fish. Amen? Now, I want you to listen to this. I'm going ahead of myself, but it doesn't really matter. You know, remember that when Jesus came to see the, um, you know, some of the, the disciples, Simon and his brother Andrew, I think in Matthew chapter 4. Well, of course, they were fishermen because in Galilee, Galilee was a fishing, you know, area. The mainstay of the economy was fishing. So, guess what? He saw Peter and his, you know, colleagues and said, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. Right? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know, as I was preparing this message last night, something struck me. I had never thought of it before. You know, it's almost like a play on words, isn't it? Somebody who catches fish is described as a fisherman or a fisherwoman, all right? Fisherman, isn't it? But it only takes Jesus to make such a person a fisher of men. Ah, it, it just blew my mind yesterday. Hallelujah. God wants his people to be fishers of men. And when you are a fisher of men, you have been elevated from a fisherman, if you were a fisherman, to a much higher, you know, level. Hallelujah. So, winning of souls bears some semblance to harvesting and fishing. Which is why we read in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus said that harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I'm sure that, you know, all our brethren who testified this morning would agree that there is a harvest out there. I can tell you that on many occasions, I've said this, I've said this previously, um, I have gone to city center, <laughs> I've gone to city center on my own and I've just stood there by the side looking at the people passing to, you know, in opposite directions and just wondering, Lord, how do we reach these people? And I will stand by the side just praying, Father, you can reach these people. I may not be able to do it, but you can reach them. 
I've just been praying for them. You know, because they are souls. The enemy is also clamoring for souls. We saw it yesterday, isn't it? You know, the people are out there also preaching what is fireless, you know, heresy. Trying to draw people. You know, those who don't believe in Jesus. The Muslims are also doing that. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus. Amen. So more laborers are needed. There's a job for you in God's mission field. The harvest is ready. Hallelujah. Amen. The harvest is ready. So we can actually say that discipleship can be likened to harvesting. So I was, as I was thinking about this, I decided to dig deep into the process of harvesting. Remember this year is the year of what? Reaping and harvesting. Amen? Good. Actually, harvesting consists of at least three, you know, um, three uh, uh, processes. Yes. Thank you. One is reaping. The other one is threshing. And the other one is cleaning. So let me just explain what this means. Okay. So you plant the seed and it's now time the seeds, you know, have germinated. You have your crop, maybe maize or whatever. And it's now time for harvesting. So what is entailed in this? You have to reap first of all. The reaping has to do with the cutting, you know, of the stems. Cutting, that is the first operation. And you don't just cut anyhow. If you cut anyhow, you miss it all. You know, it all depends on the crop's condition and availability of labor or machinery. Some of the cutting can be done manually, but when you have large farms, then it's, you know, done um, using uh, you know, machinery. You know, you can do it mechanically also. So every stage of harvesting requires some expertise. Then after they have, you know, reaped the harvest, guess what? You now go to the next stage, which is the threshing stage. This is the process of separating the grain from the straw. It, it can be done by hand or by using what they call a treadle uh, thresher or a mechanized, you know, uh, equipment. And after that is done, they move on to the last stage, which is the cleaning. Because once the grains have been separated from the straw, you need to clean the grains. And that's not just throwing the grains into water and shaking whatever you have. It is done in a special way. Okay? It is very important that you remove only the unwanted materials from the grain. You only need to remove what? The unwanted materials from the grain. So you can see how specialized this is. And I wrote here, to have a harvest, one must sow seed. And to get crop or fruits, you must tend to what was planted. I remember during the Civil War, when I came to learn about farming, I had never in my life farmed. And we went to Oran, which is my hometown. We used to live in Enugu. And my dad, you know, was a civil engineer. We had to travel all the way to Oran, and I got involved with my relatives, and we went to the farm for the first time. And I said, whoa, so this is what is involved. 
the way you plant cassava is different from the way you plant yam, is different from the way you plant cocoyam, different from the way you plant other things. And I got to learn all those things, you know. And when it comes to the to the farming season, people are quite eager because they have an expectation. We should always have an expectation when we go out in obedience to what the Lord has asked us to do. Amen. So when you plant, you tend your crop, you uproot the wheat when necessary, recognizing when the crops are ready for harvest. Has to do with timing, isn't it? If you delay the crops, what's going to happen? The crops are going to get spoiled. You would have wasted all your time and effort. God forbid that we would waste time and effort. Amen? God wants us to be expectant. He wants us to be alert. He wants us to really look out for when the crop is actually ready. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, another thing that you know, we need to take into consideration is this. This is very important. You know, Apostle Paul said something about it. He said, I plant and what Apollos watered. Or he planted and Apollos watered. So basically, somebody may plant or sow the seed. Another person may water. And yet another person may reap what has been so, so very often when you go out to meet people, you will realize that, oh, that is not, you know, the first time, probably it's not the first time that they would have heard the gospel. But you know, little by little, the Holy Spirit begins to use what they have heard and then by the grace of God, they will come to the place where they will surrender their lives to Jesus. So, that's harvesting. The harvest is plentiful. My question to you before I move on is, do you want to be a partaker in the harvest? There is a guarantee that there is a harvest. You are not going to barren land. The land will never be barren as far as evangelism is concerned. There is always that guarantee that you will be a partaker in the harvest. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. I say, may the Lord help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Then please turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. I want to talk about fishing right now. Okay. Now, how many of us are aware that, you know, Galilee was a fishing port? And, you know, actually, it, it was a strategic thing that Jesus Christ did in calling out those men who were fishermen. Not all disciples were fishermen, but most of them were fishermen. And I will tell you why. But turn with me to Matthew chapter 4 as I read from verses 18 to 20. Okay? Are you there? It says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the fish, in, in, into the sea. I want you to take note of that. They were doing what? Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Now, in those days, there were people who fished using, you know, a hook, you know, a line, and uh, some, you know, baits. They did that, actually. But these fishermen 
that we see who became disciples, they used nets. When you're using nets, there is no bait. You cast the nets, guess what? And the fish come into, and then after all, they will, they will not be able to escape. Hallelujah. Amen. So here, discipleship is described as fishing. And what do you do? I mean, I come from a, a, a you know, fishing port, okay? Um, I've never seen anybody going to buy fish from the market and say, oh yeah, I've got fish. With, you know, when you buy the fish, you've got all the scales for the fish that have scales, isn't it? And say, okay, this is my fish. Thank you, Jesus. And then they just throw the fish into the pot and start cooking. Is that the way it happens? No. If you just put the fish in there and cook it, I'm sure you'll, you'll be poisoning yourself. You need to clean the fish, isn't it? Remove the scales, remove the insides, you know, whatever the, is there. And then you will have something that will be delicious as you eat it. Hallelujah. So it involves catching, not only catching the fish, but also cleaning the fish. And in real terms, we must be expectant, isn't it? That as people come into the church, they will come with all sorts of baggages. We must be patient. We really have to take time. And which I'm going to talk about just in a few minutes from now. But I was wondering, what was the significance? Why did Jesus go after fishermen? Now, we are told that in those days, fishing was a tough job. Why? Because Fishermen had to work all year round. They, you know, they didn't have like a holiday. You know, okay, I fished for maybe nine months. Now I'm going to take three months off. Because they had to provide for themselves and for their families. And so in all seasons, they were out there when, you know, it was hot during the summer and when it was cold in the winter. Now you know that in the nights, it became bitterly cold. And that is when the fishermen went out to fish. So, listen to this very carefully. It's not as, it's, it's not as if when they went out there and cast their nets one minute, they caught the fish the next minute. They could not command the fish, oh yeah, fish, look, I've come out here. I'm telling you right now, you've got to get into this net because I don't have time to waste. <laughs> you know what happened, does it? They had to be patient. That's one of the things, that, that, that is one of the qualities that endeared them to Jesus. They had to be what? Patient. These were men who knew what it was to be patient. And what does that mean? The capacity to accept or tolerate delay, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. Because, you see, if you don't have these things that are challenging, talking about patience doesn't make any sense. Hello? Talking about patience when everything is going right doesn't make any sense, does it? So there must be something that is happening for you to what? Exhibit that patience. And in many cases, if not all cases, it's about... You know, you've been tolerant. It's about you being tolerant of delay. You know, how you behave when you have problems. How you act when some things are happening that you don't want. Praise the Lord. You know, when somebody annoys you, like me yesterday. 
I know I was doing well. I led the worship as Pastor Theo said. And then I decided to go out and meet some people. And I went and I met this guy. We started well off. The guy was listening. Then suddenly, I don't know whether it's something I said. I know I did not insult him. But suddenly this guy changed. Man, the guy wouldn't allow me to say anything. I was, he told me, oh, what God do you have? Now, he said that he, said that he did not believe in God. Though. And then next time he turned around and said, this your God is a wicked God. He allows tornadoes, he allows the So I asked him, I said, this is quite interesting, isn't it? How can you blame God that you say you don't believe in Ah, that's why you created him. So I told him, I said, look, okay, I, thank you very much. I, I, I need to leave now. <laughs> and I hope that, uh, you know, you will um, take some time to think about what I've said. So I began to move away. He followed me. I said, <laughs> I said, why are you following me? He said, you came to me, therefore you must, you know, <laughs> you must stand there and listen to me. I said, I, I was thinking, Father, please help me. <laughs> Honestly, I was wondering, Lord, what should I do? And so I think I, I decided to be quiet. I stood still, I didn't say anything. And so I was moving away gently, and he was following me, screaming at my back. <laughs> And then he left me alone. Praise the Lord. The Lord gave me patience yesterday. Glory be to God. Amen. The fishermen were persistent. Persistence is the fact of continuing in an opinion or course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Now we're going to face opposition as we go out fishing. Fishing for men, that is. But we must be persistent. Praise the Lord. I say we must be persistent in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, we must never give up. We must never give in. We must never, you know, take our hands off the plow. We have to continue because the Lord is with us and for us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Talking about patience, in fact, I think today we talked about what we read in Isaiah 40 and verse 31. Let's go there to remind ourselves. I'm sure most of us remember that verse of scripture in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. Amen? Amen. It's, a, it's a portion of scripture that we quote very often. And uh, in fact, let me start from verse uh, 28. Okay? It says, Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly, what, fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall do what? Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hallelujah. The Lord always keeps his word. May the Lord give us patience and persistence in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Now, interestingly, as I've read through the Bible, I've not seen one fisherman who um, sat down in his house and said, I'm a fisherman. I catch fish. That is my profession. So right now, I'm going to command the fish to come into my house. Fish, if you are out there in the sea, the sea of Galilee, I command you to come into my house. 
If you are there in the Pacific Ocean, come into my house right now. I mean, if somebody does that, they will think they will take the person to a psychiatric unit, isn't it, of a hospital. They say there's a, a screw loose in the person's head. Hallelujah. So what is the point? That a fisherman always went to the right places. Fishermen go to the fish. The fish don't come to them. And I'm all for praying. But the Bible says that, you know, faith without works is dead. We've got to go out there where they are. Meet them. And there are people who are yearning for answers to pertinent questions. They won't tell you. They may smile. But deep down, they have questions. Deep down, they don't have peace. You know, I met a young man also. When I went and gave him a track, he said, I don't want any track. I said, I asked him why. He told me there was no reason. I was quite amazed, actually. You know, usually they tell you, you know, that this is why they don't want to get a track from you. But this guy, he said, there is no reason whatsoever. Wow. So I was standing there, I was wondering, Lord, what, what do I do next? So I asked them, I said, okay, on the same track that you had, you know, Pastor Tony, as we were talking, you know, where would you spend eternity? So I asked him the question, where would you spend eternity? He said he would spend eternity in heaven. So that was, you know, a you know, breakthrough. So I asked him, how are you sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven? And so I could see, it was almost as if you could see, you know, in the spirit, you know, his brain turning and turning and turning. And eventually, he received a track. Praise the Lord. Not because I was there, but the Lord was at work. Hallelujah. We need to go out to them in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in schools, in the gyms, in parks. You know, one thing I've also noticed, you know, um, Liverpool is like Oklahoma City. People like to talk. Have you ever tried it? Just go to one of these. I'm telling you, go to one of these stores and start, you know, uh, talking to somebody, you will for the next five minutes you're going to be there because they always have things to say. And when they say these things, you can pick up something that would even you know make you stay even longer with that individual. What am I trying to say here? When you are going to the store, you've got to add some jada time, extra time. Hello, maybe you spend one hour shopping, add another 15 minutes because you don't know who you're going to meet. Hallelujah. You can meet people in cafes, in Starbucks, for example, or Costa. You can meet people in other public uh, venues, but you must not have a holier-than-thou attitude. I must admit that I have a problem with people who think that unbelievers should behave this way and that way. I ask them, what are you saying now? How do you want an unbeliever to behave? You think an unbeliever is going to come and then pray some kind of holy prayer? That's not possible, isn't it? Is it? Because an unbeliever is an unbeliever. Hallelujah. Remember when you were an unbeliever? I don't know what you used to do, but I know in my own case, you know, they used to come to our house. <laughs> oh, Father, I thank you. When I think about it, sometimes I'm even ashamed. I, I had a Bible, you understand? But what did I have a Bible for? Not to read anything, but to use the Bible to argue against people who came with the Bible. 
So they decided to avoid our house. They said, I'm not going to that house. There's that crazy man in the house. <laughs> oh, God, hallelujah. You know, but the Lord is good. You know. So interestingly, the fisherman cannot be a fisher of men without Jesus. I said that before. We've got to have compassion for souls. We've got to reach out to these people. Amen. Amen. We have to remember where the Lord brought us from so that we would be able to minister to them. So I've talked about harvesting and, and you know, fishing. I just want to say one or two things. When it comes to the preaching of the gospel, you know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation from his wrath and punishment to everyone who believes that is in Christ as Savior, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This was Apostle Paul, isn't it, writing under, you know, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He said that the, you know, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. We don't go there to say what we like. We go there to tell them that Jesus saves. Amen. We tell them about the, you know, birth, about the death of Jesus, the crucifixion of the cross of Calvary, his death, right? His resurrection. Yeah, hallelujah. You know, the, the, there's power in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, in fact, I'm going to read verses 7 and 8. The Bible says, he said to them, this was Jesus saying, It is not for you to know the times or epochs when the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses to tell people about me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. This was Jesus speaking. What was he saying? Now, on the day of Pentecost, that actually happened, isn't it? So, what were the people baptized with the Holy Spirit for? Were they baptized just to speak in tongues? No. Now, speaking in tongues is a gift. Hallelujah. It has its place. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit was for much more than speaking in tongues. It was for being witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. We need that empowerment from the Holy Spirit to be instruments in the hands of God. Hallelujah. There are people there who need to hear the gospel and we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. May that be our experience in the name of Jesus. And, you know, I was thinking about some people. You know, there are some people who might think that because they have arrived arrived in you know better commas open and close they should not be called to preach the gospel everybody who is a christian is called to preach the gospel it doesn't matter who you are or who you think you are whether you are a bishop you are called to preach the gospel whether you are a prophet you are called to preach the gospel whether you are an apostle you are called to preach the gospel because this is what apostle paul said apostle paul said for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about, for I am compelled to do so, to, or to do it. He said, woe to me if I do not preach the good news of salvation. This was an apostle. He did not think that because he was an apostle, he would not preach the gospel. In fact, if anything, 
he felt that it was, you know, an obligation he could not run away from. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 And then we see the example of Peter and John. In fact, you can read the whole thing from Acts chapter 4, verses 13 to 20. You know that, um, actually, the Bible says here that, you know, now when the men of the Sanhedrin saw the confidence and boldness of Peter and John and grasped the fact that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were astonished and began to recognize that they had been with Jesus. Uneducated men went out to preach the gospel. And there was something about them that really struck those Pharisees and Sadducees who were self-righteous hypocrites. May it be that as we go out there, people will see something in us in Jesus' name. Amen. Not our own thing, but the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. And they went on. You know, after they had brought them to in front of the you know, council, they said, what are we to do with this man? For the fact that an ordinary miracle has taken place. You know, you know what happened here? When Peter and John went to the you know, temple and they saw the you know, lame man and then Peter, filled with the power of God, said, ah, silver and gold, I have none, but what I have I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That is what happened. Okay? So they said, what are we to do with this man? For the fact that an ordinary, extraordinary miracle has taken place through them is public knowledge and clearly evident to all the residents of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But to keep it from spreading further among the people and the nation, let us sternly warn them not to speak again to anyone in this name. So they sent for them and commanded them not to speak as his representatives or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> but Peter and John replied to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you and obey you rather than God, you must judge for yourselves. For we on our part cannot stop telling people about what we have seen or heard. Praise the Lord. I'll soon draw this to a close. But I just want to encourage us because today is about encouraging us to see it as an obligation, a responsibility. You know, we will not always be able to go out to the city center as a group. You understand? But you can begin to preach the gospel where you are. Use tracks. Tracks, I have found tracks to be very, very effective. I like, you know, tracks that have questions. Like, one of them I have is, um, I, 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 I know, ordered. It says, um, you know, life's ultimate questions which is like you know where do we come from what are we doing here on earth where are we going to go to when we pass away from this earth? people are interested in those questions amen, amen. you have the other one that says you know uh, some things about you know some you know uh, pertinent questions and then there's another one that says uh, it's also a question is it wise to be an atheist i've met many people who say they are atheists now Another thing is this. We need to tell the people that they have a right to believe whatever they want to believe. Even God recognizes that right. Never get into an argument. It's not worth it at the end of the day. It is never worth getting into an argument. Recognize the right of the person to believe anything. Even if they want to believe that red is yellow, yellow is black, black is white. That's their prerogative. That is 
you know, their own free will. That is their own choice. And we need to recognize that. Once you, they know that you, you recognize where they stand and you respect them for that, you don't support what they are saying, you respect them for that, you find that in most cases you can have a very healthy conversation. Because then they would open up themselves to you. Praise the Lord. The last thing I want to talk about is the joy of harvesting and fishing. And I'm going to read a portion of the scripture, of, of scripture here. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 to 24. The Bible says, The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. Listen carefully. I have given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions. Amen? And the ability to exercise authority over all power of the enemy, that is Satan, and nothing will anyway harm you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. In that very hour, he was overjoyed. Jesus himself was overjoyed and rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit. And he said, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things relating to salvation from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants, the childlike and untaught. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been transferred and turned over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. I will stop there. Amen? So what am I trying to say? There is joy. How many of us felt joy yesterday? Praise the Lord. Could you, ex could you describe it? Could you, did you have the right words to express it? No, you see, that is joy from the Lord. Amen? May that joy be our portion in the name of Jesus. There is much joy when you reach out to sinners and share the gospel with them. May God enable us to be soul winners in Jesus' name. Amen. We need to pray for compassion for souls. And this, this is a phrase that the Lord gave, uh, gave me a few, I think it was probably la, you know, last week. Compassion for souls, passion for evangelism. I'm going to end by just saying one or two things about that. You see, you cannot have passion for evangelism if you don't have compassion for souls. Because what would you do with passion for evangelism if you don't have compassion for souls? If you don't have compassion for souls, you will not be paying attention to what is happening in the life of the person. Listen to me very carefully. You know, Bishop Ebby used to say something that really struck me. I remember on many occasions, he would talk about the spiritual gifts, two in particular. He was not saying that they were more important, but he was saying that every child of God should actually be operating in these gifts. What were they? Words of knowledge and words of wisdom. Words of knowledge and words of wisdom. Words of knowledge is where the Holy Spirit reveals something to you about the person you are engaging in conversation. And words of wisdom are, is the ability to use the words of knowledge in a way that would yield fruit. Praise the Lord. This is a supernatural ability. 
So this is the point. That when you are talking to somebody, you are listening in the spirit. Because very often, what they may say will reveal some inner problem they are facing. And I'm telling you now, if you're not listening, you can misinterpret what they're saying. Sisters, please, I'm not, and you can, you, you can correct me if, if I'm wrong. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Those of us who are married know that our wives have a, have a way of saying things. And that's how God has created them, okay? There are very many times they won't come to you straight directly and say, this is this. And you as the male, you'll be wondering, what is this all about now? Why can't you say it this way? But that's not how God has created them. You have to be able to read what they are saying. You must be able to interpret what they are saying. Otherwise, you get it wrong. Hello, don't be so. Hello. Hello. Ha. God has given us men some extra responsibility. God will help us in the name of Jesus. We need to be patient. Oh. Because sometimes our, our wives, they speak in code. And they expect you to understand. If you misinterpret what they are saying, you just take it at face value and you get into deeper trouble with them. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> ah, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. So the point is that when you are going out there and you are talking to the people, be attentive to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And as you attend to it, the Lord may give you something to say that will just turn the whole conversation, you know, around and make the person to be receptive. Praise the Lord. You know, the last thing I want to say is this. I just read uh, a few days ago. Actually, I was listening because on a video, somebody said something. I don't know if I'd heard it before. He said there's an 80-20 rule. I said, what are you talking about? 80-20 rule. You know what that is? Allow the person to speak 80% of the time while you are listening and you speak 20% of the time. You understand? Because I don't know whether it has happened to you, it has happened to me many, you know, several times. You, you, you feel that you have all this knowledge in your head and you just want to say one thing after the other in quick succession. And it's very easy to lose the person. So the person will be wondering, what exactly is going on here? The person will not be on the same level as you. It will be a waste of time. May it never be a waste of time for us in the name of Jesus. I remember years ago, I've said this before. I went out in London when I first returned to this country. And I met a young man. It's almost as if it was yesterday. We were out there in front of a store. And we were there. Giving out tracks and I met the young man. I walked, actually, I walked towards him, he was coming in the opposite direction. The man was so poor, I'm telling you, very polite, very well-mannered. He listened to me, and I was just rambling on and rambling on and rambling on. Honestly. And I was going on my head, you know, everything. Getting excited. The more I spoke, the more excited I, I, I became. The man was just standing still, looking at me. <laughs> In fact, if I had gone a problem, I would have been jumping up and down. After I had spent about, I don't know, probably about 10 minutes talking to this guy, he did not say a single word. 
And then I stopped. And the guy said, can I ask you a question? I said, yes. He asked me, why have you come out here to speak to me today? My brethren, it took me aback. I had to spend some time thinking of what I was doing. And I ended up actually apologizing to him. Because I had taken him for granted. I had not in any way tuned in to what this young man was all about. It was all about me. All about what I knew. All about what I thought I was doing. Just because you think you are evangelizing doesn't mean that you are evangelizing. I learned a big lesson that day, which I will never forget. It brought me down to ground zero. And from that day onwards, I began to realize that this is not about Pantinocon. This is about the Lord Jesus Christ. If I am a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, if I am speaking, as it were, or propagating the message, his message, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, I have to listen to him. It's one thing knowing the gospel, as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's another thing knowing how to propagate the gospel. Hallelujah. There is a spiritual language, a spiritual code that we will get on that day. Amen? Praise the Lord. Before we pray, I want to say without any fear of contradiction that evangelism and discipleship will remain the primary task of the New Life International Mission. In fact, I've always said that, you know, Bishop Eby, God bless him, now he's in heaven. He changed the name from the New Life International Worship Center to the, International Worship, International, the New Life International Mission. That was prophetic. Because when you have a center, what exactly does that mean? You are expecting that everybody is going to come to that center. But when you have a mission, guess what? Everything changes. It's no longer about people coming to the mission. It's coming into your center. It's about you going out there to meet the people. Praise the Lord. And let me say one more thing. Because we are an international mission, we are going to be engaging in missions locally, nationally, and internationally. I want you, I've said it before, I want you to think about your villages. I don't know how your village is. My village is in serious trouble. People go to church on a Sunday, and then on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they go to native doctors. Is that the way it should be? No. So we have to mobilize our cousins, mobilize our relatives who are born again, mobilize pastors so that they can go out there and preach them gospel. Recently, I contacted a cousin of mine Mary, and uh, Mary is uh, a pastor, and we began talking. The Lord has helped us since then. She's mobilized a group of individuals, and just a few days ago, I sent her some money to buy megaphone. You know megaphone? So that they can do the morning cry. Praise the Lord. Amen. Building teams of people who would evangelize. Let's rise to our feet, my brethren. You know, it was good to listen, hear those testimonies. 
And I believe that the Lord has also, you know, told us one or two things that we need to take into consideration. I want you to commit yourself into the hands of the Lord right now and ask him for grace to be not only a harvester, but a fisher of man. Let's pray. What a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. Heaven and earth adore. Even angels bow before him. What a mighty God we serve. He's a mighty God, what a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah, what a mighty God we serve. Oh, we are serving Him. Heaven and earth adore, even angels bow before. What a mighty God, one more time. He's a mighty God. What a mighty God. We serve. Hallelujah. What a mighty God. We serve. We are serving Him. Heaven and earth adore. Oh, angels bow before what a mighty God we serve. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we want to thank you so much for reminding us of the importance and necessity of evangelism and discipleship. Oh Lord, we give you all the honor and all the glory in the name of Jesus. Father, we want to say that this afternoon we are totally committed to you that we are instruments in your hands to use as you deem fit in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lord, it's not because we know everything. Sometimes, like David testified, we are filled with fear and trepidation. But when we go out there, Heavenly Father, you empower us. Heavenly Father, by the Holy Spirit. We pray that, God, you will fill us with compassion for souls in Jesus' name. Lord, round about where we are living, Lord, in our offices, on the streets, wherever we go to, in the stores. And Lord, we want to move, Heavenly Father, supernaturally in the name of Jesus. Because without you, we can do nothing. But with you, we can do all things. We pray that God, you will open our eyes, oh Heavenly Father. You will, Heavenly Father, encourage us, King of glory. And that, Lord, we will go out there, Heavenly Father, filled, Lord God Almighty, with faith in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. Use us, Heavenly Father, to bring a revival to this nation in the name of Jesus. Use us to bring revival elsewhere in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God Almighty. We give you honor and praise. We worship you today. You are wonderful, Lord. You are glorious. You are magnificent. There is none like you. Receive all the glory. Receive all the honor. Receive all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said, Amen.